Matthew 16, verse 6, verse 13. When you got to say amen. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? That's the question I need to ask this morning to every person in this building. Who do you say that Jesus is today? Pray with me now, please. Father, I thank you for this august congregation of people today. May our hearts be as open and receptive to the word as they've ever been. Let our ears now come open to the word of the Lord. I pray today against distractions. Lord, I know that there's places to go and things to do today, but uh, all of that is secondary to this moment that we now experience at the table of the Lord together. And I pray the word of God would have preeminence and that our focus and our gaze would be cast upon you, Jesus. For we thank you today that if we will fix our eyes upon you, the author and finisher of our faith, we thank you, Father God, we'll be able to endure in this race and we'll be able to have joy as we cross the finish line. I pray today, God, for those who are almost home. I thank you, Lord, that they've come into an atmosphere and an environment where the grace of God is just going to help them finish and get across the line and come on home today. We bless you, Lord, in advance for the souls will be saved and the, those who have wandered away are going to come back home. Don't let one thing happen between now and the moment of their salvation that would distract them away from this divine opportunity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning, we begin with the most important question that you will ever be asked in your entire life. Who do you say Jesus is? This question was posed to the 12 disciples after Jesus had taken them away from the multitude and had escaped to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Philippi was an epicenter of polytheism in Jesus' day. In fact, the area of Caesarea Philippi had a history of idolatry and being the host of false gods. It was Baal who was worshipped in this Gentile area. It was the god of Pan that had had an e a memorial erected for him there at Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi had caves and tall walls, and on the walls of these mountains, people had carved inscriptions into other false gods. There was a cave there at Caesarea Philippi, and it was a very unique and special place 
to those who were serving many gods. And the reason it was special is because inside that cave there was at that time a well of water that they could never measure the depth of. It seemed to be an endless depth of water there in that cave and because of that it attracted those who were seeking uh, spiritual experiences from all over the area and they, they worshipped at this shrine of Caesarea of Philippi and Jesus takes his twelve to this place this place where many gods had been worshipped this place where many gods had been elevated and lifted up. This place where many people had been blinded from the truth and had wandered into the darkness and were worshiping gods that had eyes but could not see. They were worshiping God, gods that had hands but could not feel. They were worshiping their gods who had mouths but could not speak. It's a place of idolatry. It's a place where false gods had camped out throughout history. But Jesus takes his 12 right into hell's headquarters. Because if the gospel is going to work, it's not just going to work in the suburb where there is money and affluence and people have great schools and everybody in the community is an upstanding citizen. It works there and I'm grateful that it works there. But I want to report to you that the gospel works in the middle of hell's headquarters. That the name of Jesus still has power no matter what it is surrounded by. No matter how dark the darkness may be. No matter how lifeless the situation may look. If the gospel is good news, it not only works for those who have their ducks in a row, but it works for those whose lives are falling apart and they are hopeless and searching for a true way of living. I want to tell you, Jesus, you better hear me right now. He is not intimidated by the false gods and the idolatry of our day. He is not a second-rate God. He is not a lower-class God. Jesus is alive, and Jesus has power, and the gospel works no matter where you put it. You can put it in a rich neighborhood, or you can put it in a ghetto, but it works because the gospel has power goes to Caesarea of Philippi and he asks the disciples a question. Who do men say that I am? It's a question that doesn't have many options and many choices. There's really only two. You could put that question up for them to consider this morning. There's only really two answers to who do you say Jesus is? The first is when you're asked the question, who do men say that I the son of man am? The first answer is you are the way, the truth, and the life. The second option is he is the biggest fraud in history. Jesus is not just another religious figure. The claims he made and the statements he released and the truth he revealed declare him to be the only way to God, the only truth and the only way to life. 
He is either that or he is the biggest fraud in history. But when it comes to Jesus, I want you to hear me clearly. Everyone must decide and develop their opinion. Ah, his birth, life, ministry, and death, they demand your response. See, the presentation of Jesus as the Son of God, it removes all possibility of neutrality. You cannot be neutral with Jesus. You can be neutral with a sports team. Do you like the balls there? Do you like Alabama? No. You can be neutral with political issues and politicians. You can be neutral when you're asked about climate change or animal rights. You can be neutral about other hot topic questions that are germane and pertinent in our culture. You may choose the option, no comment, when asked questions you don't really have an answer for. But when it comes to Jesus, no comment is not an option. When it comes to Jesus, the claims he made and the statements he released, they mean one of two things. Either Jesus is the only begotten Son of God who paid the price for the sins of humanity or he is the greatest fraud in history. There is no space or no option for no comment. There aren't multiple opinions of Jesus. Jesus is not just another religious option. His claims and words mean that either Jesus saves the world by his sacrifice or he is the greatest imposter that ever dawned creation. Who is Jesus? Who do you say he is? The question of Jesus' identity isn't limited to those who sit in church this morning Every industry must answer the question, who is Jesus? Every politician must answer the question, who is Jesus? Every athlete must answer the question, who is Jesus? Every mother and father, every person in this house and every person down the road will have to come to grips with the question, who do you say Jesus is? But before you answer the question today, I thought it would be good to have a few people testify as to who this man Jesus is. Before you develop your opinion and before you declare what you think about him, I today want to take you for a few moments on a trip back to the outskirts of a city called Jerusalem. And there at the foot of the cross on a hillside called Calvary, I want to interview several people at the foot of the cross. Let us hear what those standing by have to say about this man, Jesus. I'm here in Jerusalem at the foot of Calvary. 
A man named Jesus is being crucified. People are going crazy all over. I don't know if you can hear the screaming crowd, but, but I've got some footage and there are some people standing around today. And I wanted to interview a few of the people standing here at the foot of the cross. Tell me, sir. Tell me, sir. Tell me, sir, can you tell me what you believe about this man hanging on the cross? Who do you say this man Jesus is? My name is Bartimaeus. And a few days ago, I was sitting on the side of Jericho. And all my life, I've been a beggar. My daddy was a beggar. I was a blind beggar. I had no hope. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life on the side of this road of Jericho. But I had heard about this man, Jesus. And one day, he came walking by the road that I was camped out on. And they told me he was coming. And I knew it was my one chance for my life to be turned around. So what did you do, sir? I started hollering his name. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What happened, sir? All the people who were with me told me to shut up and to sit down that I couldn't holler like that. What did you do in response? I got louder. I said, Jesus, have mercy on me. What did he do for you, sir? Can you please calm down and just tell me, what did he do for you? He healed my eyes. He opened my eyes. I couldn't see my entire life. But when that man prayed for me, my eyes were open. I cast my beggar's coat off and I followed him all the way to Jerusalem. I don't know why they're crucifying that man. Because he turned my life around. And he gave me sight. Come over here, Mr. Cameraman. Come over here. Come here. Excuse me, ma'am. Ma'am, come here. Come here, ma'am. I need to ask you a question. Can you tell me, ma'am, what do you think about this man, Jesus? Can you give me your, your feedback today? What's your name, ma'am? My name is Mary Magdalene. And I don't know why they're crucifying this man. Because there was a time in my life I was full of demons. There was a time in my life I was full of lust. There was a time in my life I was promiscuous and I, I had such a reputation in this town. But one day that man hanging on that cross touched my heart and delivered me from all of my demons. And now I'm walking in the light and I have never been the same. Since that man came into my life. Come over here. Sir, sir, pardon me, sir. Can you come here? I want to know why you're here at the foot of this cross today, sir. Can you tell me who is this man and why are you here and what do you think about Jesus? My name is Jairus. And this is my daughter, Jenny. And Jenny was 12 years old a couple of years ago. And she was, she was laying in her bed dying and it actually died. That man came into her bedroom and he spoke a word over her life. 
He said, Talitha Kuma, and my baby Jenny got up out of the bed, and here she is two years later still alive. She would have been dead, but that man saved my daughter's life. And I don't know why they're crucifying him today. Excuse me. Excuse me. Come here, ma'am. Ma'am, can you help me? I want to get your opinion on this. I want to interview you, ma'am. Can you come here? Yes, come out of the darkness, sweetheart. Come here. I just want to ask you a question. Can you tell me your name and what you think about this man, Jesus? Well, my name is not important. But one night, the Pharisees caught me in an act of adultery. Woo! Oh, I'm trying to play a part, but I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. And uh, they were getting ready to stone me. I was as good as dead. That man walked into my courtroom. And when they were getting ready to kill me, he stepped between me and my accusers and bent over and wrote in the ground. What did he write in the ground, ma'am? It's none of your business. It's between me and him. He wrote in the ground and then stood up. That man stood up on my behalf. And when they wanted to kill me, they wanted to remind me of the mistake I made. That man forgave me of all my sin and gave me the power to go and sin no more. And since he touched my life, I have never been the same. Come here, sir. Sir, sir, excuse me. No, 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 don't walk off, sir. Come here. Come here, sir. Can you tell me? Can you tell me your name and what you think about this man, Jesus? My name is Lazarus. And I'm not even supposed to be here. But a few weeks ago, I had gotten sick and I died. And they put me in a tomb and my whole family told me I was stinking. But that man, Jesus, come to the mouth of my grave. He opened up his mouth and called my name. And when he called my name, my dead body felt his power. Hey, sir, could you please calm down? Can you please hold your composure? You're on national television. I can't help it. I've got to tell somebody what the Lord has done. When I was dead for four days, he called my name. And I've never been the same since. And I know why they're crucifying that man. They're crucifying him because they hate him. They're crucifying him because he's the son of God. But mark it down, Mr. Cameraman. Three days later, he will arise because he is the resurrection. And as you can see, there is no doubt in the minds of these who are standing here today at the foot of the cross. They know that this man Jesus is the Messiah. Their lives are forever changed. 
Their stories are all similar. Their testimonies are evidence that there is something different about this man Jesus. And with a live report from here at Calvary, I am Kevin Wallace. Back to you in the newsroom. But I don't need to run back 2,000 years to find out that he's alive. I'm a living witness that he raised me up from the dead and turned my Slap somebody, tell your neighbor, neighbor. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I am a witness. Tell them I was there when it happened. And I guess I ought to know. He picked me up and he turned me around. He opened up my eyes and I'll never be the same. That day, while many watched from a distance, there were those who hung around the foot of the cross that knew there was something different about him. You see, their lives were much like yours and mine. They found themselves up against impossible situations. Some were sick. Some were dying. Some were dead. Some had no hope. Others thought the mistakes of their past disqualified them. They were marginalized, labeled, lied on, ostracized, alienated. They were called has-beens, should-have-beens, and tried-to-bees. But Jesus turned every one of their lives around. So I came to declare to you today, no matter what you're hooked on, no matter what you're bound by, no matter what tries to haunt you, no matter what tries to chase you, no matter what prison you're in, no matter what your plight, your pit, or your problem, there is a man in this house today who came not just so you could feel an Easter blessing. He came to pick you up out of your bundle, Shatabaya, and turn your life all the way. I'm almost done. But I'm going to take my time. If their testimonies are not enough, then let me remind you of what the Word testifies about him. In Isaiah, he's the king of glory. In John 8, he's the I am. In Revelation 1, he's Alpha and Omega. In John 1, 29, he's the Lamb of God. In Revelation 22, he's the root of David. In John 10, he's the good shepherd. In John 1, he's the word. In Isaiah 4, he's the branch. In Luke 24, he's the prophet. In Revelation 22, 16, he's the morning star. John called him the light of the world. Isaiah called him the arm of God, the servant of the Lord. He was a man of sorrows. John 6 called him the way. John, Isaiah 59 called him redeemer. Luke 1 called him the horn of salvation. 1 Timothy 2 called him the gate. John chapter 6 called him the bread of life. John chapter 1 called him Emmanuel. Luke 1 called him the Prince of Peace, the Son of God. Messiah, Daniel 9, he called the Messiah. In Luke 2, he was called the Savior. But when we get into Matthew chapter 2, 
something rose up on the inside of me when they called him the king of kings. And I got to thinking about the king. And when I got to thinking about the king, I got to thinking about a game I used to play growing up called chess. We didn't have PlayStation 1, 2, or 360. We didn't have Xbox. If we were really lucky, we bought an Atari at a yard sale. Y'all not going to say nothing. So I had a neighbor who, like me, didn't have a whole lot of technology, but we had chess. Chess was a sophisticated style of checkers. Checkers is simple. Checkers is for the simple. It just hop and take your neighbor's piece. But in chess, it's not how quick, or in, in chess, it's not how quickly you move, it's how strategic you are. And uh, the way you win in chess is you got to get the king in a place where he cannot move. Oh, I'm getting ready to say something. And so you work the whole game to get the king. See, you got all the pawns and you got the bishop and you got the rook and you got the queen and you got the knights and they protect the king. But you start taking your, your opponent's members off the board so that you get the king exposed. And when you get the king in a place where the king cannot move, the opponent says, checkmate. Friday afternoon on a hill called Calvary, Hell and every demon citizen of the kingdom of darkness and Satan, the prince of the power of the air, surrounded the king on a cross on a hill and they hollered, checkmate. They said the king doesn't have another move. The king is dead. And that's what the devil did to some of you. He got you surrounded. And you came in here today and you, you hear the voice of the enemy taunting you in your ear saying, checkmate. Checkmate in your marriage. Checkmate in your children. Checkmate in your business. Checkmate in your walk with God. You don't have a move left. I've got you so cornered that now you have no hope. Game over. But I came to tell you, before I go change my shirt, that the king has one more move. I feel weak in my knees right now, but the king has one more move. You don't know if your neighbor needs this, so elbow them and karate chop them like they do need it. Tell them, neighbor, the king has one more move. Oh, the king has one more move. The devil told you that you were in trouble, but the king has one more move. 
the devil hollered checkmate in your life and you thought the game was over but God sent me to tell somebody that the king has one more move because early on Sunday morning while hell was throwing a party the king reminded death oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the king has one more move somebody give God praise today the king has one more move in your marriage the king has one more move in your business the king has one more move in your family the king has one more move in your mind I don't care if the devil's told you you don't have no hope God ain't through with you yet if God were through with you you wouldn't be breathing that's why the prophet Jeremiah said this I recall to my mind therefore I have hope it is the mercy of the Lord that I am not consumed great is thy faithfulness in other words if he were through with me I would have already been dead but the fact that I'm alive means the king has one more move he's got one more move in your family somebody walked in here today and you thought God was through with you you thought you were going to come to a cute Easter service and see 12 kids with a new dress and you thought that's all it was going to be and you were going to get out of here and run off to your little favorite buffet and you were going to eat at your little restaurant with your family but the Holy Ghost sent me to tell somebody the king has one more move. You are not going to spend the rest of your life sitting up in sorrow, hopeless and dead on the inside. The devil's hollered checkmate and said you don't have a future but I came to make the devil out of a liar and to tell you if God God be for you. Slap your neighbor, say neighbor. Say neighbor. I got to tell you something. Say neighbor. I got to tell you something. God, holler at him. Say God is about to move in your life. Now give God praise. Oh, this ain't on my notes, but let me walk through this real quick. 5,000 people, two fish and five loaves, and Jesus' reputation was on the line. And it looked like the disciples were getting ready to be mobbed because the crowd was hungry, and all they had was a two-piece fish meal. Yeah, and they were about to get beat up over some food. But the king has one more move. So they took the food to Jesus and he blessed the food and thanked God for it and all of a sudden they started breaking it and the next person come up in line and you think, oh, we're going to run out. Where's some Kleenexes? I need some clean. Give me the box of Kleenexes. It's underneath your chair. It looked like they were out of food but the next person walked up in line and the king had one more move. Oh, y'all miss what I'm saying right here. The next person walked up in line and the bucket looked empty. But he drew out another piece of fish and another piece of bread because the king always has 
one more move. I don't know who walked up in here today and you're wondering if God can take care of you. You may think everybody else got to the front of the line before you got there, but the Holy Ghost told me to tell you the king has one more move. He's not run out of miracles yet. He's going to take care of your needs. The king has one more blessing. Ooh, the king has one more move. I once was young and now I'm old and never have I seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. The king has one more. Shout all over the church. Shout all over the church. Blessings are falling. Blessings are falling. Blessings are falling. The king has one more move. Let me, let me go one more. Just one more story. This woman with the issue of blood. I'm going to need them next service. Y'all done got me six boxes. Hallelujah. This woman, with the issue, this woman with the issue of blood. She pressed her way through. And she was unclean. Which meant everybody she touched was unclean. Which means if you follow the law, Miss Joy, that when she touched Jesus, Jesus, the king, became unclean. But the king has one more move. See, what I'm trying to tell you is you can never get in a situation where it is as over as the devil is trying to tell you that it is. In fact, sometimes the situation that Satan is using to try to convince you that it is over is the very situation God is going to use to get great glory for what he's getting ready to do in your life. Had it just been a minor, mild, little issue, the woman could have taken care of it by herself. In fact, the Bible said in Luke, she spent all she had. You think if a person spent all she had, she would have gotten better by now. In fact, when she come to Dr. Jesus, she didn't have Blue Cross Blue Shield, and she didn't have no money left. She was empty. She didn't have nothing to offer him. But I came to tell you when your pockets are empty, and you feel like you have no hope the king has one more move look at your neighbor tell him neighbor the king has one more move last thing and I'm going to be quiet this woman this woman caught in the act of adultery this, this little situation here bothers me this little situation here bothers me because the bible says she was caught in the very act. Huh. Y'all sanctified people are having a hard time taking this one in. I I'm trying to figure out, inquiring minds want to know, how, Elder, was she caught in the very, oh, you know you got serious problems when you are so judgmental that you would enter the bedroom yeah. 
trying to catch proof and thereby incriminate yourself in the crime scene. And they caught her in the act and they took her to Jesus. And does not the law say that a woman caught in the act of adultery must be stoned to death. Is that not what the law says? Yes, yes, yes. It's what the law says. But the law is getting ready to fall over into grace. Because grace walked into the courtroom. And the woman who was supposed to be stoned is getting ready to find out that the king when it looked like he didn't have a move, the king had one more. And he bent over in the ground. Watch, the law had already been written, but he bent over in the ground and wrote grace. I'm thankful for the law, but I am greater that the law, I am more grateful that where the law was existing, sin was magnified. Paul would tell us in Romans chapter 6, it's why Paul went on to say that where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. There are some of you who are not qualified to get where you're going. But the king has one. The king has one more move. And on Easter Sunday, I'm through, Brian. And on Easter Sunday, when hell was having a party, and the angels were howling and hissing. Demons were howling and hissing. Thank you. Angels had dropped their head and they laid their wings down and wept tears that eternity could feel. Satan said, I, I got him. Death claimed him. The tomb thought it possessed him, but the king had one more move. And if the worst thing that ever happened to Jesus was death, it still didn't win. And I don't know what the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Somebody in here is going through the worst thing you could have imagined. And the enemy is telling you it's over and you feel a real hopelessness on the inside. But the king has one more move. You say, Pastor, he's moved for me before, but this is just such a tough situation. I don't know. Yeah, I know it's bad, but the king ain't finished yet. King has one more move. I really felt about 30 or 40 minutes ago when the 
sisters were singing. I really felt like somebody was almost home. I felt the Lord start working on some people. Some people who didn't plan on coming home today. You planned on going to church, but you didn't plan on coming home. But the day has been carefully crafted and divinely tailored so that God could rip every excuse for you not to come home out of your vocabulary. That page in your mind that you got all those reasons why I can't come home. Church people are mean. Now you can't say that because you've been welcomed by 22 people and all of them were smiling and they all loved on you. You got fed up with it by the time you got to the door. Some of, somebody in here said, all oh, these fake people always smile. And they're not fake. They smile every Sunday and they smile Monday through Saturday too. Because the king didn't come to give us religion. The king came to give us life. And life more abundantly. That excuse don't work. That, that other excuse, I can't come home because I've been hurt by church people. Let me tell you something right now. There are a lot of people who've experienced church hurt, but I want to tell you, not everybody in church is mean. Stop lying to yourself and believe in the lie. Stop believing the lie that everybody in church is a fake. The devil's lying to you. That excuse will not work on judgment day. See, you got to answer this question. Who do you say? the Son of Man is. Some say that Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, okay, Peter. Who do you say? Okay, Bobby, who do you say? Jeanette, who do you say that Jesus is? You can't say no comment. He can't be treated neutrally. He is either the son of the living God or the greatest imposter in human history. I say he's the Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. Heads are bowed. Heads are bowed while you're sitting here. Just sit there a minute. Somebody needs to come home today. I ended with enough time to talk to you while you're sitting there and your eyes are closed. I want to ask you a few questions here. Are you ready to meet God? Is he the Lord of your life? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? I'm not asking you if you went to church when you were a child. I'm not asking you if you got saved when you were little. I'm asking you right now, is Jesus Christ Lord? You, you may have a thousand excuses as to why he's not. You may have a million reasons why he would not choose you today, but none of them matter anymore. Today is a day to come home. Come home. If you know in your heart you need Jesus to save you, whether you've ever been born again 
or you've known Christ but have walked so far away and feel like you're a million miles away from home, you're in the right place to come home today. Yes. Amen. The king is not through with you. The king has one more move. If you would say, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I need to get right with God. And I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins and give me new life. If I'm talking to you and I'm preaching to you and you need Jesus to save you just like you are. Don't go home and get your mess together and come back next Sunday. Just come to him like you are today. I'm counting to three, and if I preach to you and you want Jesus to come into your heart and lead you home, lift you, he's going to lead you home. Sweetheart, he's going to lead you home. Sir, he's going to lead you home. It don't matter what you snorted last night, who you drank with yesterday, who you slept with last week. Not, none of that matters. What we've come to do today is say, who's ready to come home? If you're ready to come home, when I say three, I don't care how far away you feel, lift your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need to come home. One. Lift your hand. Thank you. Hands are already going up. Two, three. Lift your hand if you need to come home. Come here, buddy. I'm going to pray for you. He said, Pastor, pray for me. I'm getting ready to pray for you. Come here. Ready? Ready? Everyone that lifted their hand. Wait, wait. Everyone that lifted their hand or knows that they should have. Get up out of your seat right now and come down here with me and him. What's your name? Nick. 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 Come down here with me and Nick right now. If you lifted your hand or you know you should have, come stand with me right now. I'm waiting on you. If you know you should have. Come on, baby. Come on. I lifted my hand, Pastor. I need to come home. Come on. Don't you sit out there and, and miss this moment. We just threw a party for you. Come on home. Come on home. Come on, buddy. Come on, pal. Come on, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you right here. They're coming from all over the church. They're coming from all over the church. Come on. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't know, but I know what he did. Come on home. Come here, sweetheart. Come here. I've wandered far away from God. But now I'm coming home. The path of sin too long I've tried, but Lord, I'm coming. Oh, come on. I'm going to sing this chorus one time, and while I'm singing, somebody needs to come home. I'm coming home. I'm coming. Nevermore to wrong. Come on, come on. Open wide. Come on, sweetheart. Come on. I'm telling y'all, you ought to praise God. He's in this room right now. 
thine arms of love. Lord, come on, sir. Come on, buddy. I'm coming. I'm going to sing it one more time. Somebody, there's a backslider in here. You're away from God, but you need to come on home. I'm coming home. I'm coming. Ah, God, God, thank you for what you're doing in Nick right now. Nevermore to Rome. Come on home. Come on home this morning. Open wide thine arms of love, Lord. I'm coming home. Oh. I want pastors to come help me right now and pray with these, but I got to do something. I, I, I really, I really, I don't want to do this because I don't like to ever feel like I manipulate a moment. And I try hard not to. But I feel like there's somebody in here that hasn't come that was almost home. The reason I'm talking to you is Pastors, come help me. Elders, come help me right now, please. I, I, want, I want everybody here having somebody to pray with them. But I really believe with all my heart the person that hasn't moved yet is somebody that has probably been in church for a while. And this religion thing is just, just a mechanic thing. And it's real easy for you to say, I don't need that. I tried that, Pastor Kevin. It didn't work for me. No, no, no. The gospel works. He, he always works. It is religion. And it may not work. But Jesus always works. Can I have one witness? I've got a few more minutes left. I, I finished preaching early because this person, wherever you are, just needs that one more little invitation. This ain't about a number to me. This is about your future. If it was about numbers, I'd have quit taking altar calls yesterday because 55 people came to Jesus yesterday at the outdoor event. Somebody praise the Lord. This ain't about numbers. This is about future. If you're in here and I'm talking to you and you're almost home, But you found it easier just to stay there and hide. I want you to come right now. I'm coming home. Thank you, buddy. I'm coming home, home. Never more. Home. Lift your hands. Oh, they're still coming. Come on, come on, sweetheart. Come on. Come on. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but a dam just broke, and people are free to come no matter what you're stuck in, what you're bound. Come on. Lord. I'm coming home at the cross, at the cross where I first. 
saw the light and the burdens rolled away. It was I received my sight and now everyone sing the chorus come on lift your hands if you're saved and thank him for the cross come on real soft and the burden come on sing it like you're grateful oh it was there I received my sight and now come on let's sing it one more time oh at the cross where I first saw the light Come on, let's bless him before we leave. Everybody sing. I can face tomorrow because he lives. How many believe Jesus is alive? family. My life is worth the living just. One more time, come on. As we pray this prayer of salvation with our new family, sing, because If you're in this place today and you need the king to make one more move in your life, lift your hand where you're standing. You need the Lord to, to move. The enemy's hollered checkmate in your life. He said there's no more moves. Game over. You're in trouble. But today you've got faith to believe the king's going to move one more time. If I'm talking to you right now, throw your hands up where you're standing. I don't care if it's financial, physical, family, whatever it might be, spiritual, 
physical, whatever it is, lift your hand if you need the king to move for you right now. If somebody got their hand up near you right now, I can't pray for everybody with their hand up, but I'm going to pray for them standing right here. And you're going to be an extension of my hand, and you're going to be an extension of the hand of God touching that life. Would you lay your hand over on their shoulder right now? Father, in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, move again. Move again for them, Lord. Thank you that the King has another move in their life. I speak life into them right now. I cancel every assignment of the enemy that has been crafted against their future. Every lie that has been told in their mind that they have began to believe. Father, some of them need you to move again in their marriage. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ to move today, King Jesus. Move God and shift things in that house. Touch children and bring them back home. God, those that are sick, move on them now, Lord, and heal their bodies. Father, somebody's in a financial situation they can't see their way out of. But today I thank you that the king is moving again. Move for them, Lord. The king has one more move. And I pray you'll move in their lives today. In the precious name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, I need everybody in here to help me give him the best praise we've given him all morning long. Come on. Oh, come on. Oh, Jesus. Listen, we love you. We love you on your way out. We're going to try to shake hands because we got a lobby that's got people in it. Pastor Josh is going to come and give you some instruction. But we do want to shake your hand and hug you on your way out. Make sure you fill out those guest cards, first-time guests, so that we can say hello to you in a deeper way and just let you know we're here to serve. God bless you. Pastor Josh, come with a final benediction and all announcements. Just a last piece of information before we leave. Remember, on our way out, we're going to exit out of our left and our right. That we have Seder meal tickets for you in the lobby if you want to participate with that. It's that this coming Saturday will be our Seder meal here. So the tickets are in the lobby. Again, if you would, please exit to the left and the right. Let's pray the benediction. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that we serve a God who's not out of moves. Father, that when we feel like we're against the wall, that there's no hope for us, that we don't know how we're going to make it, that you're not out of moves. And today we just, we just declare healing over every area of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done and for the people that have come home today. We worship you. We praise you. We celebrate you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a happy Easter.